Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, welcome back to the next episode of the Keto Naturopath. This is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. Um, I wanted to amend that introduction just for a second because I've been doing this podcast for now about four years and a time to change out that introduction, don't you think? Um, and that was referring to the three years previous to that. So we've really been in the keto world for a good seven, eight years for ourselves personally, which pre-existed all the conferences and so on and so forth and all the craziness about keto today. What do I mean? That means uh, under 20 carbs per day on a regular basis. We can say that pretty much um, 99% of the year. There's a few days we probably have some, but it's really uh, a non-event. It's not a big deal. It's not like, oh, finally we get to have a lot of carbs. Let's go for it. Uh, it's just not an interest to us. So, uh, and if those carbs were going to be something special, it'd probably be something that Judy made and or periodically have a salad. Haven't had a salad for a while, but I'm saying that because I know we do have some, though I can't think of the last one we had. And I certainly miss growing things in the garden to an extent. But it's been a long time. And so when you have all that experience, both personally and now other people have, you know, we have this sort of ongoing uh, Facebook group called Keto Naturopath. And there's a couple thousand people on there and there's usually a regular conversation. Uh, and then we have a special paid for course of a month for 50 bucks on protein sparing modified fast, which is really a subcategory of the ketogenic diet and people get great responses. Clearly, clearly, clearly the overwhelming majority of people wanting to do this is about weight loss. You know, there are people from their forties to their seventies, for the most part, they go, I now have to lose this weight. And usually they will start with keto and then they will, um, migrate over to protein sparing modified fast. And maybe in that interim, they'll do what they think is carnivore, though they're, though they're not quite sure what carnivore is. So that's the context for, about which I'm about to expand on for today, which is how can you really get a maximum benefit for the ketogenic diet without just being so painfully anal and exact about your macros. When people talk about the ketogenic diet, by definition, it's all about macros. It's not about nutrition. It's about macros. It's about 20 grams or less, carbohydrates, your ideally 1.6 grams 
uh, per kilo of ideal body weight for protein, and the rest is fat. That's kind of the formula, and has been around since the 1920s. Okay, then. So given that, that context, right? That context, that definition, we're not like saying, well, maybe this and maybe that. No, we're doing that. And that's the life we live in, and we don't have any complaints about that. That way you could, I think, uh, and I, you know, I can only be one person, so I can't compare myself to somebody else, is by including things that we know are generally deficient in the population at large. And those are things that are of the three main methylators. If anybody's watched any of my videos, I've talked about methylation, and that would be folate, not folic acid, and that would be B12, and you can go methyl B12, or you can go methylfolate, they're fine. But the third part, which previously I hadn't talked much about, is choline. That doesn't have to be methylated. It's just choline that comes through food. So where does it come through food? Where does it come through food? It comes from, brace yourself, egg yolks, and liver, right? And you heard me talk about that. So why would you consider using that as your protein and fat source, right? These are obviously really good protein and fat sources. And you can have your fish and all these other things, which are all good choices. In fact, you know, have your salmon, wonderful. Even have some cod liver oil, wonderful, should you want to do that. Um, or better yet, get some Icelandic cod liver. They come in the cans and they just taste great and you're getting your A and your D and your essential fatty acids, your omega-3s. Okay, but, 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 the egg yolks, and it'd be great if you get pastured eggs, but just we're just talking about go to the grocery store and get these. So your egg yolks, which we're a big fan of, and your liver, beef liver, or pork liver, chicken liver, whatever liver is good for you, is that you will get a major source of all your B vitamins, which are your methyl donors, if you will, but also of choline, specifically of choline. And that's probably the the largest borderline low aspect, a nutrient in our, I'm speaking of the American population, diet. And so when you start to bring that in, what do you, what would be the difference? Why would I say that you could amp up, you could increase your results and your process for the ketogenic diet? Well, when you go on keto, you start making your ketones. People go, ah, oh, I get all this mental clarity. And then they think about MCT oil, which I way back when did a number of video videos, uh, podcasts on MCT oils. It was researched in the 60s and early 70s as a more convenient way of doing the ketogenic diet. You know, it was a highly uh, ketogenic fat, right? So it's caprylic acid triglyceride. And we did a private uh, uh a private label product on that that we sold on Amazon for a while. And it sure enough does work. And so we make our mayonnaise out of that. So we have kind of a ketogenic mayonnaise more so than mayonnaise would be. Okay, all that's fine. And you can create the brain buzz, if you will. I mean, you really can measure by your glucometer, your ketometer, excuse me, that you could get way up into the three, four, five, six, and seven uh, ketone range, which is extreme. And you'll remember some of my uh, interviews I did with Dr. Stephen Kinane up in Canada that we talked about, you know, ketones being the fuel for the brain, the preferred fuel for the brain, which kind of speaks of our ancestry of we must have been in ketosis, if not all the time, 
than quickly. And that either came from fasting or came from not eating very many carbs. So that's kind of the setting. So that brain acuity came from increasing your ketones and decreasing your glucose, even though glucose is always in the background. You're, you're always using both fuels. It's not like good or bad. You know, you're born through ketosis primarily. And when uh, you're highly stressed or that lion is chasing you through the jungle and well, that's when you, your, your adrenal hormones kick off and they hit your liver and they make glucose for you through gluconeogenesis. All that's kind of the context. So now you're adding in some liver and some egg yolks. And so now that's giving you yet another layer of mental acuity and it might it more than likely help you lose weight. Why would it help you lose weight? Because the deficiency of choline, granted it's an extreme deficiency, but it's well-documented, is the beginning of fatty liver. It, it uh, Choline helps take the fats out of the liver and into the bloodstream to be used by the rest of the body. Lack of choline keeps the fats in the liver and you get a fatty liver, otherwise known as non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So that's the liver part. It's also a big component of bile, but it's also in the brain. It's phosphatidylcholine, it's acetylcholine, and all these things I've talked about before. So now, if you think about upping your daily intake of egg yolks and liver, in the very least, to make sure you're getting the choline that you're having, and you learn how to do this. I love uh, the egg yolk waffles with a spread of uh, the liver pate that we make, and maybe I'll make it fancier and do something like a jalapeno, a little jelly that we make on top of it that has no sugar in it. And that's delicious. But most of the time I just spread it on, roll it up and have it. And it's like, I love it. And I just know it's brain food. It really is brain food. So it has all my methyl donors. It has, uh, those are the highest sources of choline, which is egg yolk and liver. And livers are all kind of pretty good you know, they're all neck and neck. So there's not one that's technically, depending on your sources, some say it's beef, some say it's chicken, some say it's pork, they're all about the same. So now you're doing this, you're not only staying in ketosis because those are protein sources and fat. Um, there's, I don't know if there's really any carbs in liver. There's no carbs in the egg yolks. And so now you have the mental acuity that you got from transitioning into ketosis, right? Probably takes a couple of days. You learn how to make the ketones, your body, I'm speaking, not you intellectually. Learn how to make the ketones. They rise, they spill out of the urine. So that's where you get the purple uh, litmus paper test. And But eventually you stop spilling. So it's not in your urine anymore and you start keeping them. And so a month out, when you start realizing, hmm, I, I, I feel like I can last a whole day with mental working at the desk, whatever it is you do during the day, that now adding in that component of, of choline really amps it up. I, I swear, you got to do this. You absolutely got to do this. If you've been motivated enough to go keto in the way I've already described, then you really ought to figure out how to bring this in. I mean, it, it bring in the liver and bring in the egg yolks. And so people go, oh, how many egg yolks, so on and so forth. Um, I have the equivalent of, they're in waffle and crepes form, because uh, that's what we use them for. I have two, four, it's about two egg yolks per waffle. I have two, at least two waffles a day. So there's that. And then I have at least three ounces of pate. So I probably have 800 milligrams 
um, maybe if I'm lucky up to a thousand milligrams, one gram of choline a day, uh, choline doesn't get to be too much until you're over eight grams a day. So that's like one tenth of what is considered high. It's a little bit above the minimum requirement that they've now sort of mapped out. But I'm asking you to do this because not only are you making a, a far healthier diet, whether we're looking at methylation or whether we're looking at ketosis, and you've now dropped inflammation because you're now in ketosis. So that's what ketones do. They're anti-inflammatory. You've now um, created a better methylation pattern. So that really can speak to what they call epigenetic reverse aging. And um, you now have increased your acetylcholine. That's mental acuity. You now have probably, if you're working out, you're going to find it's a little easier to build muscle because you need uh, an appropriate amount of acetylcholine to contract. So when you have now abundance of choline that goes into making acetylcholine, of course, goes into lecithin and it goes into all the derivatives thereof, then now you are feeling really pretty good. So this is not hypothetical. This is actually right on. So I'm sort of encouraging you to be a little more thoughtful in your getting involved with a ketogenic diet as a lifestyle. You know, some people, and this is a part that I totally disagree with, and they go, oh, I do, uh, what do they call it, cyclic? cyclic ketogenic diet in which they do keto for four days of the week and then they do three with higher carbs. It's like, I think that's complete nonsense. I know Mercola advocates that because he always tries to do something different. Uh, there's no research on it. There's nothing that supports that whatsoever in any particular data or study. It's from the back of his mind and in his book to create a following. Um, he does say some good things and then he goes off and he tries to mislead people, if you ask me. Um, and I don't mind that he sells supplements. I mind that he has to bend the truth to sell supplements often. So there you go. I would say stay on keto and you're going to nip and tuck and that will work for you. That absolutely will work for you and you'll be surprised. And so by just orienting yourself to what it takes, the macros, get your macros down to be in keto. And now you start saying, you know, I can have some keto food, which is the egg yolk. That's always been a keto food. So is the egg protein. You don't have to throw the protein around. You can call it just eggs. If you want to have three or four or five eggs a day, have three or four or five eggs a day. Um, and then throw in the liver liver pate or however, however you want to make the liver. You can make liver worse, which is great, or brock worst, uh, which is wonderful as well. So I hope you hear that I'm trying to encourage you to have a foundation of your ketogenic diet based on whole foods. Don't be so clever to try to um, amp up your ketones by just taking C8. C8 is certainly going to make you have ketones unequivocally. I mean, there's so much research out there over the last, what is that, 60 years now? Um, and I have my own data and other people have their own data to support that as well. But try to bring in some nutrition, you know, so we don't just live on ketones alone. You do have to have your B vitamins. So those are water soluble. You need your methylators, your methyl donors. You need your fat soluble, your vitamin Ds and so on and so forth. So this is a way of including your nutrition into the package of the ketogenic diet and making it a really powerful experience for you to transition into. And I'm suggesting, I haven't looked into this, but it certainly makes sense, as you're addressing 
the fatness of your liver, and we're all on there in terms of a little bit or a lot to the degree that we are part of the population that is deficient in in choline, and that's by the NIH finished their NHANES study in uh, 2009 to 2012, and that's where they came out and said, hey, well, the United States is like low. We're having a problem here because that low means for mental damage or cerebral damage or uh, cognitive damage for fetuses uh, and young children. And then it certainly means a greater number of people headed towards full-blown dementia, cognitive impairment, mild and cognitive impairment, and Alzheimer's, and then, uh, then dementia, and then Alzheimer's, and then the nursing home costs. And so at both ends of life, it, it is a very big deal to have this. So I would say go do this and the degree that you want to even think about proteins bearing modified fast, or I'd say do that or don't do that. Don't get distracted by that if it's too much to put on your plate, but do go to the gym and do put a demand on your muscles and create that muscle mass so you don't get sarcopenia, so you don't get muscle damage by atrophy. Um, and I wouldn't be too focused on fasting as your way to return to health because fasting is is there and it has a whole history that pre-existed a ketogenic diet and that's how the ketogenic diet came about out of fasting from the 1800, late 1800s, early 1900s. But the problem with fasting is eventually you have to eat and it doesn't teach you anything about eating in terms of nutrients. Maybe you can do all the reflection and how you're going to change your life, but at some point you need to address what are you going to eat and how are you going to eat and what's your discipline around that. It's your ritual around that. Okay, so that's my encouraging you to go have some choline-rich food as part of your ketogenic diet to amp up, to really amp up the benefits of your ketogenic diet in terms of mental acuity, weight loss, and muscle mass support. So, till next time. This is a short one because I want it to be actionable information that you can go do. Okay? Bye-bye. Hi, this is Dr. Goldkamikin. For a brief reminder of something I completely forget to do at the end of every episode. You've heard me talk long enough in many different episodes, but what I would love you to do, and many of you have already done this, I just want to reinforce this particular behavior, which is to send me your questions. Send me your questions and anything you have about keto. If there's something that I don't know, I will look it up. And if it's something that intrigues me, I will probably make an episode, uh, a podcast about that particular topic. So what you need to do is to send me your questions at drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. So that's D-R-G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P at K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-O. P-A-T-H.com, Dr. Goldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group, which is also ketonaturopath.com. That's been growing lately. You also have to answer a questionnaire should you cho- choose to join. And I don't ask for your email. I ask that you follow our terms. I try to avoid uh, advertising and uh, the obvious interruptions of a, just a good Facebook group. So hope to see you at one place or other. Please send me your questions. And uh, look forward to talking to you and getting to know you. Take care.